Famed coaches, national champions, lottery picks, the best minds in basketball. Welcome into the sidelines with Evan Daniels. What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back into the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider over on FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode of the Sidelines Podcast is the 59th episode, and the featured guest is Xavier head basketball coach, Chris Mack. Mack and I had a discussion about Xavier's first ever Big East championship, the transition from A-10 to the Big East, as well as Trayvon Blewett and J.P. McCure's illustrious careers. Before we jump to that interview with Chris Mack, I want to make sure that you are subscribed to the Sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. You can do that over on Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. If you want to support this podcast, hit the subscribe button. Also leave a rating and a review. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Evan Daniels. Would love to know what you think about the podcast. Now let's jump to that interview with Xavier head basketball coach, Chris Mack. It's time to go minimum with Evan Daniels. Send it in, big fella. Now let's welcome in Xavier head basketball coach Chris Mack to the Sidelines podcast. And Chris, this past week, uh, you and your, your Xavier team won their first Big East Conference championship. How special was it for you to, to not only be uh, get past the co-champions, you guys are the sole champions. How special was completing this task for, for you and, and your group? I mean, real special, you know, for I think a variety of reasons. The first of which the group that did it, you know, you're talking about uh, guys that have been with me for four years uh, in JP, uh, Makira, Trayvon Blewett, and Sean O'Mara, um, you know, guys that have really poured their heart and soul, uh, not into only this year, but just uh, their career. And then, you know, to be able to, for the first time since we joined the league, have somebody other than Villanova uh, be able to be outright champions, um, you know, says a lot about the consistency of our team. Uh, through 18 conference games and you know when you're talking about you know a, a league that's going to send at least six NCAA tur- you know teams to the to the tournament uh, it's obviously a really really uh, strong league and so uh, we be- feel very fortunate you, you told your team on on Saturday mm-hmm. after you all officially won the league that you were particularly proud of the players that were there as that team was trans- transitioning from the A-10 to the Big East. H- how difficult was that transition, and does it make it that more gratifying now? It does. I mean, it's been a, uh, it's been a long climb. And, uh, you know, it was a difficult transition uh, on one hand because the competition um, got much greater. The players were better. Uh, they were bigger, stronger. Um, and, you know, I think at the same time, you know, we also had a pretty good team. You know, we, uh, you know, we, we did pretty well our first year uh, in the Big East. You know, we went 10 and 8 in the league uh, with guys that really didn't sign up for, you know, play in, the, uh, in that league. So, um, you know, it's, again, it's a monster league and very, very fortunate to be staying on top. But uh, I won't give us uh, any favors here as we head into uh, the Big East tournament and then the NCAA tournament. We're going to have to make our own breaks. In, in your eyes, what makes this league so, so difficult? I think a lot of things. Number one, every school is really committed to uh, having a really good basketball program. Um, you know, they spend a lot of resources. I mean, just you know, yesterday we were at DePaul. I mean, the Wind Trust uh, Arena. Uh, man, is it nice? And uh, I think you know, every every program, whether it's because uh, of a practice facility, weight room, uh, arena, you name it, they've made a commitment to basketball. And, um, you know, again, a lot of, a lot of strong traditions 
within our league, teams that have won national championships, teams that have gone to Final Fours. So it's a lot easier to recruit when you have tradition. And so that makes it tough. You know, you're not talking about a league of have and have nots. You're talking about a league with 10 teams that have uh, a vision uh, for their for their program. You know, Xavier has always recruited well, but did, did you change your recruiting philosophy any when you guys made that move from, from the A-10 to the Big East? I don't know if we changed our philosophy uh, so much as we sort of changed the pool of kids that uh, became a little bit more interested in Xavier than maybe Right. They wouldn't have the first time. I think we had certainly a, a national name. You know, we had played in so many tournaments well before I was the head coach. Uh, Xavier's been in the NCAA tournament for as long as people can remember. But, you know, that only takes you so far sometimes. You know, when they find out that, you know, you're in a conference that, uh, you know, maybe isn't as strong and, you know, you have some members, uh, some conference members that maybe uh, put a lot into basketball and you have others that sort of, you know, treat it. Uh, like an intramural sport, it's uh, <laughs> it's difficult. You know, it's difficult to recruit. And uh, you know, again, now every school in our league in the Big East is is pulling in national classes. It seems like so. The only philosophical change that we made a little bit, Evan, was we, we really tried to get uh, bigger perimeter players. You know, we when we first got in the league, you know, guys like Ryan Archdiakono, uh, Chris Dunn, Isaiah Whitehead, you know perimeter players that are six foot five you know it just it was a struggle at times trying to guard those guys with six foot and six one so you know from that standpoint maybe a little bit but I wouldn't say it's a shift in philosophy so much as just maybe uh, trying to adapt to some of the teams that we're playing against now you guys are currently 27 and four you you won the league by one game over uh, Villanova can you point to a moment during this season that you would kind of consider this team's most defining moment to date um, wow. Tough question. You know, I, I thought when we came back from Christmas break, um, you know, we, we didn't have a whole lot of time where, where guys went home, but when we went up to Marquette and who had beaten us twice uh, a year ago and, and quite honestly, pretty handily. And that was our first conference game, you know, starting on the road at Marquette two days after Christmas was really only a, a practice and a half as our guys got back off the road and, you know, reunited at, at Xavier uh, before, you know, right after, actually on Christmas Day. And then we fly to Milwaukee the next day on the 26th. I just felt like, um, you know, that locker room understood that even though this was step one in a long uh, conference season, that, that they understood the importance of the game, you know, to get off, um, you know, off to a good start, uh, to get a, get a, a road victory, um, uh, you know, I think our guys understood that, you know, we, we have to be able to come out of the gates if we want to be at that team fighting for a conference championship at the end of the regular season. Virtually the only thing you guys didn't accomplish in, in league play w was beating Villanova. How much would you like to see those guys in the Big East championship and get another crack at them? Well, I'd love to. I mean, for us to be able to get back to the finals and uh, have an opportunity, uh, I don't know how much more motivation you need and somebody that's gotten us, uh, you know, both times this year. And, uh, you know, the second, the first time around, they whooped us. Second time around, the game was nip and tuck, and then it got away from us uh, down the stretch. And so uh, I'd love the opportunity, um, not, 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 not simply because it's, hey, Villanova, and they've been so awfully good, but it would also show that, you know, we went to the tournament, um, 
with a laser focus to get to the finals and play on Saturday night for a Big East Tournament championship would really tell me a lot about our group, not necessarily looking backward, but looking forward. Speaking of this current group as a whole you know as a head coach you've been to the sweet 16 three times in the elite eight last year how does this current group stack up with the best teams that that you've coached as a head coach i mean i think they're right there you know i think that uh offensively uh we're extremely talented we're very versatile uh we can we can go inside you know guys uh share the ball extremely well we can certainly shoot the ball well from the outside Uh, i think we have an aggressive mindset um, you know, on any given night, you know, a guy like Cam Canner could go for 20. Uh, and then the next night, you know, our freshman Najee Marshall might have 15 and, and 10. And, and obviously Trayvon and JP have been such staples. And, you know, when you have a go-to guy uh, like Trayvon that draws so much attention, uh, but still has the ability to, you know, free himself and get quality looks that he knocks down. It's just offensively, I think we're as good as any team I've ever coached, you know, defensively. Um, I don't think we're uh, a great team. You know, I think at times we've played really well on the defensive end. And uh, as I've told our guys, if, if we're going to make the noise that we want to in March, then we're going to have to defend a little bit better. And I liked what I saw on Saturday at DePaul. Um, I thought we, we came out uh, and really, really defended a team that, quite honestly, had given us fits the Centa Center uh, earlier in December. You know, obviously winning that conference championship is a significant accomplishment, but I know you have other bigger goals. If this team is going to make that deep run in the NCAA tournament, maybe outside of defense, what, what's the what's the other main focus for this group? I just think, you know, playing desperate. You know, when you have such a great regular season, um, you know, what our team, I think, has to understand is, you know, you get thrown into the NCAA tournament with all different types of teams you know, teams that have overcome injuries, you know, teams that maybe didn't have the type of year uh, that they that they wanted to leading up to that point. Teams that, you know, damn near went undefeated in their conference season. And, and it all doesn't matter. <laughs> what yeah. matters is do you bring it on that particular day? And being in a group of guys that, you know, jump in the pool, Evan, you know, they don't dip their toe in and, and you know, try to figure it out. And, and uh, there's no hesitancy. And I don't want our team to be a team that plays entitled, whether we're one seed or a two seed, and you sort of beat our chest like, hey, you know, we're a really good team because that all that ultimately that doesn't matter. And I think our group from a year ago probably could understand that uh, much better than maybe other teams that might be in our position because we last year when we hit the floor, uh, we were ticked off, and uh, you know, hopefully our guys will have that type of mindset when we hit the floor come NCAA tournaments. I remember when I, I came up to watch you guys practice in the preseason and you, you appeared when you were coaching this group to just have a lot of fun with this group. And, and you and I talked after and I was like, man, I, th- I think this group is is pretty darn good. But but you seem to have a, a lot of fun coaching this group. Oh, I mean, when, when you have guys, uh, again, like, like our seniors who uh, put the team first, it just makes my job that much easier. And you know, I think when those guys were freshmen, you know, Makira Blewett and O'Mara, they had D. Davis and Matt Stainbrook as role models and examples on their own team. Guys that were seniors, that were terrific passers, that thought team over self. And that was the first impression my seniors now got when they were freshmen. And so when a guy like Paul Scruggs or Elias Harden or Najee Marshall are in practice watching Trayvon Blewett, uh, watching J.P. McCure in a shooting drill, and they see those guys value every rep, 
they see those guys bring energy in just a warm-up before practice starts. Um, you know, it creates such a great environment. And who wouldn't want to be a part of that? And so I'm very, very fortunate, um, you know, and hopefully we can keep this thing going. How important is it to have that type of leadership to build the culture with your guys that you want, um, not only for now, but, but for years to come? I mean, it's essential. I mean, if you want to win and you want to be successful, and we all do, let's face it, but, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't just happen on game night. You know, it happens over the summer. You know, it happens in your fall conditioning. You know, it happens on the practice floor. It happens when you, when, you, when you travel on the road, being businesslike and taking things serious, being able to get, you know, not too low after you lose, not too high after you win. And, again, when you have seniors that have been through it, and they've had really good examples throughout their career, you know, it just sort of perpetuates itself. Tony Dungy calls it regenerative leadership, uh, where your oldest players set the example for the younger guys, and it's not always the coaches coaching. It's not always the coaching uh, coaches, you know, pointing out things. Uh, it's players pulling players aside and stressing what's important and also living it out as a, as a living example. And Trayvon Blewett's had a tremendous career at Xavier, and as a senior, he's improved statistically in virtually every category. How would you sum up his career at Xavier? Amazing. I mean, Trayvon is, is – uh, he's so unique. Um, you know, I, I know uh, people at the next level at times question his athleticism. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I, I don't know if I've ever been around a guy that um, can put points on the board in the manner that he does. You know, he's been – so efficient this year as a senior. He needs uh, an eyelash of a second to get his shot off. And I don't say that in a negative way. I mean, he just, he's as accurate uh, as any guy I've ever seen shoot the basketball. Um, you know, he's very, very smart. He knows how to use his body. And he's got a toughness about him that I think because of the way he plays and the way he shoots the ball at high level, people may not understand that. But he is not afraid. Uh, to get physical, uh, to play an undersized four role at times. And uh, he's, he's been a joy to coach. You know, last year he was a 37% three-point shooter. <laughs> this year up over 43% for virtually the whole year. You know, I always thought he was a better shooter than that number from last year indicated. Do you attribute that uh, percentage improvement and, and accuracy improvement to anything in particular? I think there's probably a combination of things. Number one, I think he's in the best shape of his career. So as the game sort of wears on, um, you know, he doesn't necessarily become fatigued. I think Trayvon also recognizes, um, you know, that in his senior year he wanted to be more efficient. I think at times he, he doesn't take maybe some of the heat check and tough shots that he took uh, as a junior and sophomore, um, and it's made him that much more effective. I also think the players around him. Um, have put him in a position where, uh, you know, you can't put all of your attention and drape all of your, you know, your better defenders and, and your attention to Trayvon when you have a guy like Quentin Gooden getting in the lane, J.P. McCure on the wing, the post play that we've had all year from Tyreek Jones, uh, Karen Canner, and Sean O'Mara. So uh, I think it's a combination of things. But experience always helps. And Trey being a senior, his last go around, I don't know if I've been around a guy – it's been as confident all throughout the year as Trayvon has. And J.P. McCure, one of your other seniors, is uh, 
he's really a polarizing player among uh, opposing fans across the country, but he, he's been one of my favorite college players this year. W- what's it been like coaching him? And, and, and kind of similar question about uh, that I asked you with Trayvon. Kind of sum up his career for me and, and what he's meant to that Xavier program. It's gotten better and better every year. JP's the ultimate competitor. And, uh, you know, I, I think anybody in our program could see why other teams would hate him, how uh, other coaches, um, you know, hate coaching against him. Uh, he's going to needle you. He's going to do whatever it takes to win. Uh, he doesn't apologize uh, for that type of play. He'll be the first guy on the floor in a loose ball. Uh, he'll take a charge. He has a knack for coming up with a, um, with a loose ball. He just, he's always around the basketball and always seems to, to know uh, how to come up with a winning play. And that, that's hard to teach. He just, I don't think uh, it would matter what, what you tried to challenge him in, Evan. He's always going to try to win. And the skill level – and his decision-making throughout the course of his four years has improved um, incredibly o- over his four years. And so it's been really, really fun. And the guy I'm obviously going to miss next year not being on the sidelines with. You obviously know his career way better than I do, but that, that play, and I can't remember, the game is escaping me, <laughs> but the play that he made, where uh, it was basically a jump ball, and he, he got the inside position, snagged it, and, and it helped <laughs> seal you guys the win. I mean, I, I think that play – that that sums up J.P. McCura pretty well, doesn't it? Yeah, that, that was our that was our DePaul game uh, at home in uh, in late December, and uh, I think it was a one point game, and, and the ball sort of got thrown up in the air, and to have the presence of mind to not necessarily look at the ball, but run to where he thought it was going, and, and, and sort of time up the DePaul players' eyes and, and figure out how to way to get inside position, come down with the ball. I mean, if 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 there were four hands on the ball uh, at the time that those two jumped in the air. I can give you, there's not a player on our team that wouldn't bet on J.P. McCure coming out with it. And that's exactly what happened and end up seeing on the game. And, you know, it's just one of many, many plays that he's made over the course of his career. Chris, I uh, appreciate the time and, uh, and jumping on the, the podcast and good luck in the, the Big East tournament and, and uh, the NCAA tournament. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me, Evan. This is De'Aaron Fox. Fox, who has his first 30-point game at Kentucky, has two more for 32 on the night. Well, they said he was like John Wall. And you're listening to the sideline with Evan Daniels. We'd like to once again thank Chris Mack for taking the time out and jumping on the sidelines podcast. He's obviously getting ready for the Big East tournament, so appreciate his time. Before I let you guys go, I want to get to some Big East superlatives. Obviously, the league is going to uh, fully... Uh, release their lists and including player of the year and coach of the year later this week but I want to give you who I think is the Big East player of the year the Big East coach of the year the Big East defensive player of the year and who I think is the best NBA prospect that played in the Big East conference let's start with player of the year and uh, I think I'm going to go with Jalen Brunson the Villanova point guard was absolutely tremendous for Jay Wright and Villanova I think he was as important if not more important to his team than any player in the entire country played 32 minutes a game averaging 19 points 4.8 assists just 1.7 turnovers also gobbled up a couple rebounds a game I was very impressed with his ability to shoot the ball uh, right over 40 percent 
from three this season, had 11 games with 20 or more points, three games for 31 points. Uh, He was tremendous throughout, and this is a guy that's always been known for his ability to operate at the point guard position. He knows how to run a team. He knows how to facilitate and, and get guys shots. He competes on both ends of the floor, and he's really improved his ability to shoot the basketball. So I thought he was tremendous throughout this season. If you take him off Villanova's team, uh, they wouldn't struggle, uh, but they wouldn't be nearly as good, and they wouldn't be a one seed. I think this kid is a, a big-time player, uh, and I think you could actually make a case for him for national player of the year. I think Jalen Brunson has been that good for Villanova this season. Let's slide over to coach of the year, and I'm going to go with the man that was just on this podcast, Chris Mack. You could obviously uh, go with Jay Wright, who obviously was very good. His team's going to contend for number one seed, but I'm going to give it to Chris Mack. They had never won a Big East title until this season, uh, and 27-4 and record, 15-3 and in the Big East, won it by one game over Villanova. So I'm going to go with Chris Mack, and he obviously did a great job of, of putting this team together. Guys like Trayvon Blewett and J.P. McCura, have been tremendous throughout their Xavier's career. But adding a guy in the offseason in Karim Cantor was huge for this team and his development over the course of the season, as well as Quentin Gooden, uh, who, who really improved his ability to shoot, and that's a credit uh, to the skill development over at Xavier. They had a, a handful of, of long winning streaks this season, a 10-game winning streak from November 28th to January 6th, a nine-game winning streak from January 13th to February 17th. Chris Mack did a tremendous job with this group, and uh, that's who my pick is for the Big East Coach of the Year. Let's slide over to the Defender of the Year in the Big East Conference, and uh, I think this is a, a pretty easy one. I'm going to go with Kyrie Thomas over at Creighton. Uh, was actually really good offensively, too. Averaged over 15 points a game, but this is a guy that that locked 1.6 steals per game, and I, I spoke to his head coach, Greg McDermott, uh, in the last two weeks, and, and he told me one of the things that works that makes Kyrie Thomas so good uh, he's really hard to screen. He, he, he talked about his length and how, how he's able to, to poke the ball away and can really make the opposition uncomfortable. And, and he's strong and he's tough and he, he competes on that end of the floor and he can really guard the ball. So Greg McDermott uh, raved about his ability to, to get through screens and just how he competes on both ends. And he's able to use his length and athleticism and lateral quickness to really impact the game. So Kyrie Thomas is my pick for Big East Defensive Player of the Year. And I made my own category, and that's the best NBA prospect in the Big East. And I'm going to go with Villanova's combo forward, Mikael Bridges. He's exactly what the NBA is looking for, a guy that can defend multiple positions, can can move out on the perimeter and, and slides his feet really well laterally. But this is a guy that's really developed into a really good long range Shooter, 42% clip from three this season, averaging 17.6 points a game. He goes to the glass and gets rebounds just over five a game. Has 1.1 blocks a game. He's improved as a passer. He had 12 games with 20 or more points this season. Get this, Villanova's record is 11-1 when Mikel Bridges scores 20 or more points. Obviously, he's had a huge impact for that team, but uh, as a six foot seven wing with that type of length and athleticism and ability to move his feet and the way he defends on the perimeter and then on the offensive end, he can really make shots and has really improved that pull-up game and his off-the-catch shooting. I think he's a tremendous NBA prospect, and I think he'll likely go top 15 in the NBA draft, if not higher than that. 
Guys, I appreciate you taking out the time and listening to the Sidelines Podcast. Before I let you go, I want to make sure you are subscribed. You can do that over on Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me. You can also leave a rating and a review. That would be a great way to support this podcast. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Evan Daniels. If you have any suggestions or future guests you'd love to hear from, feel free to drop that in my mentions. Guys, thanks for listening and have a great week.